0: God's grace, peace, and mercy be upon you on this third Sunday of Advent through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. I'm just gonna read to you how this scene ended that Rebecca read and here's what happened. So these two messengers are running to David to tell him the news about what happened and David is up on his palace gate there at the edge of Jerusalem and these two guys are running, these two messengers and the one messenger, Ahimaz, is not going to tell, he doesn't want to tell David the bad news that his son has died. He's going to tell David good news in that David has survived this attack on Israel. And Ahimaz called out and said to the king, All is well. Then he bowed down with his face to the earth before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord your God who has delivered up the men who rained their hand against my lord the king. Then David said, how is Absalom? Is he safe? And Ahimaaz answered, well, when Joab sent the king's servant and me, your servant, I saw a lot of commotion, but I don't really know what happened. And David says something like, all right, well, just stand over here for a minute while this next guy comes with news. So Ahimaaz turned aside and stood still. Just then, the Cushite runs up. And the Cushite says, There is good news, my king, for the Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. And David says to the Cushite, How is Absalom, my son? Is he safe? And the Cushite answers, Well, may the enemies of my lord, the king, and all who rise against you that tried to do you harm be as that young man is. In other words, Dead. It's a strange way to say he's dead. (laughs) Then the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place. Oh, Absalom, my son. Parents make many sacrifices for their children. When a baby comes along, the needs and desires of mom and dad kind of take a back seat, don't they? Parents will sacrifice time, money, and sleep to provide the very best for their children. And sacrifice comes in all sizes. A dad might sacrifice the last bite of his favorite dessert and give it to his child who loves it just as much. Well, I never did that. (laughs) I may have. A mom might give up a career because that's what's best for her children. And many of us feel or say we would be willing to sacrifice our own life to save the life of our child or children. And nearly every parent would be willing to take the place of their child if they were suffering. But we don't always get that chance, do we? David, the father of Absalom, wished he could have died in his son's place. But the story of this father and son ultimately points us to the love our Heavenly Father and the ultimate sacrifice He made so that we can be saved from the curse of death. The story told in 2 Samuel chapters 13 through 18 reveals the wickedness and depravity of mankind. Even those chosen by God to be His people, Israel, a light to the nations, This story contains Israel committing acts of incest, rape, injustice, murder, scheming, rebellion, and war. So let me give you a quick recap. King David had 19 sons from several different wives. Amnon. Amnon was the firstborn son of David, and he was in line to be the king. But Amnon lusted after his half-sister, Tamar. He faked being sick so that he could be cared for by her. And when they were alone, he took advantage of her, forced himself upon her, and violated her. Oh, plug your ears, kids. Then he placed blame on her and sent her away to hide in shame. This family is really messed up. Now, when David the king heard about all this, He was angry, but he did nothing to punish his firstborn son, Amnon. Now, Absalom, who was the full brother of Tamar, was infuriated with Amnon and angry at David for not doing anything about Amnon's violation of Tamar. For two years, Absalom hated and plotted against Amnon until eventually Absalom had Amnon murdered. Kind of sounds like a Cain and Abel thing, doesn't it? Then Absalom fled and exiled himself. I don't know how old he was at the time, probably in his late teens, early 20s. But what a mess this royal family is. Now jump ahead three years. Joab is the captain of King David's Israelite army. And Joab convinces David to bring back Absalom because he can tell that David misses his rotten son. It's kind of weird, you know. Absalom had had stirred up a rebellion against Israel and and his own father, and yet David misses him. What's wrong with this guy? But when Absalom returns to Jerusalem, he goes back to his plotting dark ways. Obviously, he has not yet forgiven his father for not doing anything about Tamar's violation, right? Right? And using his natural good looks, if you were to read earlier in 2 Samuel, evidently Absalom was like the Fabio of his day. (laughs) Or or maybe Michael Bolton or something. He had long, like long curly hair. The, The Bible describes him as very handsome with long hair. And he's got charisma. So what Absalom does is he steals the He he steals the hearts of the men of Israel by speaking badly of the king in the city gates while promoting himself. So you know, it's the old thing, right? If you tell people lies long enough, they'll begin to believe it. So Absalom did this for four long years. At the city gates to Jerusalem, he badmouths his own father until the people start to believe it. And then he leaves Jerusalem, and he sends secret messengers to announce that Absalom has been made king out at Hebron, which is a little further away from Jerusalem. And people believe it. Thousands of Israelites rallied to him and joined the rebellion because of all the patient, hard work that Absalom had done to promote this lie and build up his own reputation. Well, what's David doing in the meantime? He's the king. He does nothing. He doesn't doesn't want to stir things up, and he wants to spare his citizens a war, a battle, when Absalom moves in to take the throne. So David manages to summon those loyal to him, and he forms his own army. And as the battle draws near, David stays behind but instructs his army to deal gently with Absalom for David's sake. See, he still loves his rotten son and wants to show him mercy. On the day of battle, David's army soundly defeats Absalom's. As you heard, as Absalom attempts to flee, his long Michael Bolton hair gets stuck in a tree and the mule keeps going under It keeps going, and he's hanging there by his hair. This would make a great movie. Why hasn't anyone made a movie of this? I I don't know. So he's dangling there in this tree, and then Joab, the commander of David's army, shows up. And he ignores the words of David to spare him, and instead throws three javelins into Joab's heart. And that doesn't seem to kill him, Right away, because then Joab's, the rest of Joab's army shows up and they finish him off. It was just kind of weird. The reporting of this news and David's response is what we hear in our, was what I read to you. David was sad that his son died. He wept and said, Oh, Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you. And here ends this really sad and tragic father and son story. It's a story not unlike the story we share with our heavenly father. And sadly, that means that you and I are a lot like Absalom, the rebellious son. But we can't be that bad, right? You and I have never murdered anyone or incited rebellion or anything like that. You might think that the only thing you have in common with Absalom is your good looks and charisma. But while we look at outward actions, God looks at the heart. And in our hearts, you and I are just as sinful and rebellious as Absalom and as every other character portrayed in this story. Because, as Matthew says in chapter 15, (coughs) For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. Like Absalom, we go against our Heavenly Father each and every time we put ourselves on the throne of our lives and attempt to run our life apart from God. Unlike David, God is our perfect Father and He has told us what is good and right. But in our selfish pride, we often choose not to listen, thus declaring war on God's will. A son of the king with privilege and power, Absalom decided that All that wasn't enough for him. He wanted to be king. And we desire the same kind of thing. Whenever we break any of the commandments, we also break the first one by placing placing our own desires above God's, chief of which is his desire for us to love, worship, and obey him above all things. Well, I know I haven't been perfect at that. God identified Absalom as someone who was cursed for his sin by allowing him to hang from that tree by his hair. God's law declares in Deuteronomy chapter 21, a hanged man is cursed by God. We deserve the same punishment. Because of our sin, you and I are cursed and should expect the wrath of God. But out of His great love, compassion, and mercy for us, God sent Jesus, the true son of David, to become a curse for you by hanging from a tree himself to make you an heir of his heavenly kingdom. Like David, God is a merciful king who does not want you to to die despite your rebellion against him. Did you pick that up in the reading? David should have said, Absalom, you rotten son, you deserve to hang there and have arrows thrown into your heart. But no, David would have willingly given up his life for Absalom, the sinner. David had his problems for sure, but isn't it interesting how the love of God is reflected in even a man like David? For you, God cries out like David, oh, my children, my children. What I had died instead of you, oh, my children. But in God's case, He carried out the substitution that David could only hope for and cried out for to save you from the curse of death because God willingly gave up his son, his only son, Jesus. The son of God also became the son of a human being, the true son of David in whom no sin or rebellion can be found. He carried out God's promise that David's kingdom would be established forever. And as the son of David, Jesus also hung from a tree, not by his hair, but by his hands and his feet, on nails, on a cross. And a javelin was thrown into his side. Paul refers to Deuteronomy and connects it to the cross in his letter to the church in Galatia where he writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs from a tree. Jesus became cursed for you. He died the death you deserved. He who knew no sin became sin for you so that you might receive his righteousness. And when I I say might, it's not, oh, might it happen. Might is that biblical future tense. It has happened. It will happen. That's the sacrifice your heavenly father was willing to make for you his rebellious child. No matter how far you stray, no matter how violently you rebel, God will always love you and is ready to forgive you for the sake of the one who hung on the tree in your place and mine. Through Jesus, the true son of David and the king of the universe, you are forgiven and an eternally loved child of God, and you have a place in his kingdom forever. Now, Advent is a time of joyful anticipation, And this Advent, we've looked at three unjoyful, disappointing sons, Cain, Ishmael, and now Absalom. And we've done this to build up a contrast between these three sons of disappointment and the Son of God born in Bethlehem. Yes, there would be those who would be disappointed in Jesus because he didn't overthrow the empire, the Roman empire, and show himself to be the new king of Israel. But for those who have faith like Abraham, you and me, Jesus is anything but a disappointment. He's the answer to all things. The Son of God would not come through Cain's bloodline. The Son of God would not come from Ishmael's tribe in Arabia. And God's Son would not come from Absalom's either. That distinction would go to Solomon, David's second son with Bathsheba, Solomon would have his disappointments, too, but God would bless his bloodline all the way down to Joseph, the unassuming tradesman from Nazareth. And next, next Sunday, we'll take a look at him. Not that he was a disappointing son to anyone, but we'll consider some disappointments he may have had along the way to Bethlehem and how it contrasts to how it all turned out. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us an extra measure of the Holy Spirit to build our faith and our hope in your Son, Jesus, and not to be like Absalom. Thank you, though, for giving us the account of this disappointing Son of David, your servant. In him we can see a bit of ourselves and make choices which align more with your will and your ways than ours. To that end, enliven our hearts this Advent to more joyfully accept your dear Son into our homes and into our minds to keep you at the forefront of everything we say, do, and think. Amen.